Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Of course, the big news that's out there is about Luna Classic. I've talked about Luna Classic on and off for the past couple episodes. The truth is that Luna Classic has the opportunity, and I'm stressing the opportunity, the potential. It has the capacity to be something crazy, good, or crazy bad. It is one of those that's unknown, which is what makes it intriguing. It's kind of this scientific experiment in the way that people are doing the analysis. Like even some of the hardcore analysis people aren't really sure. They can go off the fundamentals and the flagging and all these you know, banners and all that. And they can do all this drawing and get it flat out wrong or perfectly right. It's that's, what's intriguing. If you've been in cryptocurrency for a while, you kind of see that there's this pattern that we can predict from graphs. We can look at where something has been and we can use it to predict where it's going to go. Luna classics, a bit of an aberration for a couple of different reasons. And I'm going to summarize those real quick. It's not going to dominate my coverage today, but I want to speak to it up front to get it out of the way. First, there's the buy the rumor, sell the news. I believe that's playing a lot into what we're seeing. I believe that a lot of the people that are scooping this stuff up and they're buying a lot of it is because of the rumors around Luna Classic and a possible revival spearheaded by Terra Rebels and some of the work that they've been doing, a lot of which has passed. The upcoming burn I think a lot of people misunderstand what that means. I don't believe personally that the bird is going to immediately show any sort of tangible results starting from the 12th. Exactly. I think it's going to take some time before you start seeing any sort of result from it. If you do see a result, there may be no result at all. It might be that it has no bearing on the price movement. Is that likely? I don't know because the way they're implementing is kind of weird. Some exchanges have already implemented somewhat of a burn against the fees. This burn that we're talking about is for fees against the transaction itself. Well, there are different numbers. They're dramatically different numbers. You also have, again, exchanges running out of cryptocurrency, this uh, Luna Classic, and so they'll need to acquire some more. That's more transactions 
How does it all work? Nobody firmly knows. There's one constant. If you were to look at YouTube right now, you're going to see a slew of people who are saying, nope, it's going to, you know, two zeros and one or to a penny or to 10 cents or to a dollar, but a doop, doop, doop. And it's all of the credit, all of the place. The truth is, and I'll say it, I don't care. I want to smoke. None of them truly know. None of them truly know where it's going to go. And what they're doing is they're drumming up hype. Now, let's be honest. And somebody on CoinMarketCap called this out and everybody should be aware that this is truly a thing. It's entirely possible that this is what's referred to as a bull trap. A bull trap is a situation where certain high money people cause these pumps, whether legit or not, but they cause these pumps for FOMO reasons. And then they might do videos to further entice people to jump into it, AKA FOMO into it so that they can sell for profit. That is strongly probable here. I want to be clear. It is strongly probable that there is nefarious reasons happening underneath the hood. But I also think that there are a subset of traders who are doing it because they believe that Luna Classic is going to be something someday and they're scooping up the supply. Where we go long-term, I don't know. So that's one. Number two, we have to take a step back and understand that UST is still harmed. It's not pegged back to the dollar. And these two tokens, Luna Classic and UST, are, again, in a synergistic relationship. It means that ultimately we can't really solve, fully solve Luna Classic without solving UST. We can't really solve UST without solving Luna Classic. So we still have this gap. One of the people in Discord, I saw this on the Terror Rebels Discord, said that there's this one linchpin to this whole strategy they're talking about, which is the lawsuit. For those that don't know, there's a lawsuit going on right now on behalf of TFL, the people in TFL who hold UST, who have been harmed because Do Rugpull, aka Do Kwan, basically, again, abandoned his child. So this lawsuit is trying to go after him to get money out of him. But then there's other players involved in this lawsuit, this big deal, and the Open question is whether there'll be any sort of remuneration coming out of other sources. Some people said, well, why can't TFL just reimburse the people who are out? And the truth is, so much was lost that even if you were to completely liquidate TFL's holdings, it still wouldn't make a dent in what they're, what they're trying to reimburse. However, Doe Rugpull has other investments and other things that could be liquidated to help reimburse other people. Well, this is an open question because if they were able to get enough to reimburse those that are out, it could assist or at least expedite the repegging that needs to happen for UST. If you're able to repeg UST, it helps to balance the synergy between the two and helps the recovery of Luna Classic even beyond people's estimations. These are all unknowns. We don't really know what's going to happen with the lawsuit. We don't really know what's going to happen with the repegging. We don't really know what's going to happen with any of it. People on YouTube are ultimately speculating. Even when they had the best of analysis, even when they're perfect and you can see, yes, everything that they said is true, they can't predict the long term of it's definitely a penny or definitely 10 cents or definitely a dollar or even higher. Nobody truly knows. And David Gockstein, who I, I've called an idiot before, but here's the thing. He was on social media and he was saying, you know, this Essentially, he was saying that, okay, Lunk doesn't have a utility, Lunk's a lottery ticket. And I, and then he put out another tweet that said, you know what, if somebody can talk it out through me, I'm open-minded. I don't think he's open-minded, number one. Number two, I openly said, look, I want that smoke. If you want to have that chat on my platform, which is the podcast at CryptoTalkRadio.net, absolutely, I want that smoke. I want all of it. I want all that smoke. Because listen, 
I think what he's missing, and he doesn't get it because he's one of those that's in the bubble. When he says that Luna is a lottery ticket, he's not wrong. Luna Classic. Here's the problem. All of crypto is a lottery ticket. Every last one of them. There's not a single cryptocurrency that is not at some form a lottery ticket. So to trash Luna Classic for doing what all cryptos do, including his beloved SHIB, is offensive to me, to be perfectly honest. Every cryptocurrency at some level is a lottery ticket because that's what we have done to the business is we turn them into lottery tickets. Every single crypto that launches, all people care about is the initial pump. We can look at the graphs on every single one of them and see they follow that same pattern. Mr. Gokstein has been in SHIB. It had the pump and dump pattern. He's been in Satama. It had the pump and dump pattern. Let's be honest, okay? All of them are essentially a lottery ticket. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you recognize it for what it is. As I've said, as long as you accept that you're a gambler, because these are gambles, I've got no problem with it. Once you start criticizing one for being a gamble, but you don't criticize these other ones that you like, even though they're the same gamble, because you're so glossy-eyed over a garbage Shibarium or a garbage Shibaverse or some other crap with a dog walking in the trees, let's be consistent. That's all I ask. Let's be consistent. They're all lottery tickets. So you can't crap one because of being a lottery ticket, quote unquote, and not do the same for these others that are the same lottery ticket. Luna Classic is a lottery ticket. It absolutely is. But as I said, Luna Classic cannot honeypot you. Luna Classic cannot rug pull you. SHIB could theoretically, theoretically rug pull. Theoretically. How likely is it? Not much, but it theoretically could because it's independent devs. It's not its own chain yet. They haven't done the stuff they promised to do, so there's still the risk. Luna Classic is still a layer one. It still has the strong sentiment. It still has strong confidence. And most importantly, I think above everything else, Luna Classic has actually has devs that want to build on it to in support of it, unlike your SHIB of the world. And Luna Classic has not knowingly failed by way of the devs. I'm talking the devs knowingly craft a project like with Satama and the failed November 13 Vegas event. It's not even close. Of the projects he supports, he supports the potential of a thing. That's his mind. That's why he says these things. He supports, well, Satama's talking about side of mask, and Satama's talking about side of EDU, and Shiba verse, and Shibarium, all these future state things that don't exist. That's called buy the rumor, sell the news. I celebrate you. But that's what it is. I, on the other hand, would personally rather to support those projects that actually do something. Luna Classic does something. It's already a blockchain, number one. Number two, devs actually want to build on it. Number three, it has a team working to recover it. Number four, most importantly, it has a strong community, not the kind of communities that the other ones have promoted where you have kids who use the word G to use the word Keck, Mr. G. So I said on social media, I want all that smoke. Because my goal is not to try to convince him that it's not a lottery ticket. My goal is to agree with him, but to counter why the rest of his garbage that he supports is not, they're not lottery tickets. How are they not lottery tickets? And this one is. And if we agree, they're all lottery tickets. Your whole argument comes null and void. Will he accept it? I doubt it. He's got a blue check mark. People with blue check marks, the elites, they ignore normal people like Leicester because they don't think we're important. That's cool. Time will tell who's right and who's wrong. Let's get into some other more interesting news then. Solana, I talked about Cardano at ad nauseum. At this point, you're probably tired of me doing so, but it's because Cardano has eyes on it. Well, Solana, 
I have done Solana intermittent coverage. It's every now and then Solana does a thing and I try to bring it to attention. The problem with Solana is I said that Solana seems like it's cursed. Solana launched, it was pumping. Like I think it got to two, $300 per coin. And every, it seemed like every time you turn around, it was either getting hacked, it was crashing, it was airing out. Something was always wrong with this. It, it was like, I see strong potential in you, but your devs, either your devs don't know what they're doing or something because every time you turned around, I, I think they must have had like four or five failures over times. Well, the founder of Solana recently came out and he said, you know what? All these outages that we've had and the number was counted at least seven. I thought it was like four. It turns out it was like seven. That's bad. That's higher than anybody else. Some, some of them put together in one year. It's crazy. Well, he says that, yeah, that's, that's what's hurt us. And it feels like we're cursed and it feels like we just can't get past it. And he says that's because we built our network in such a way to make it cheap and fast. And there's a joke in IT, uh, information technology and development, software development. There's a joke. You can have it cheap. You can have it fast or you can have it, you know, reliable and basically choose two of them. You're, you're going to sacrifice one, right? So he, they chose to build it cheap and fast. Well, the reliability simply in there. And so when it grew, basically it wasn't built to scale. It wasn't built to be able to handle significant levels of growth. I consider that a product management failure. Whoever was in charge of the product, as in how you design things, how you build for scale, being ahead of different things. He says that ultimately we just had validators that were not able to keep up because our network was so dang fast and so dang slick, which I, whatever, <laughs> but I at least give him respect for acknowledging his failures. Cause like I said, the president of ADA, that guy, you know, people say he's an idiot. He's never come out and acknowledged he's an idiot. This guy, at least he's acknowledged, you know, my network has some issues and we got some problems and, it's because of the way we built it. Now, will he change anything? I don't know. It was positioned at one point to overtake Ethereum. Now, I've got some news about Ethereum here later. But my point is that Solana is one is another one that I, I would love to be bullish about because I saw potential. It's just all these failures kept hitting at the same time, never seemed to end. And at least now they're acknowledging, yeah, their, their stuff's just a bunch of screw-ups and it is what it is. <laughs> Bitcoin. Anybody listening to my episode here that is in Bitcoin, has had their eye on Bitcoin, or was recently in but got out of Bitcoin, this news is for you. Bitcoin has a long-term, stress, long-term bullish sentiment associated to it that we can see. How can we attribute this? What we do in analysis is we look at how many long-term holders do we have currently versus you know, from a year ago or two years ago. And what we're seeing is that there's a strengthening of long-term holders. There's more long-term holders, people who have been holding it roughly, say, six months or greater. The more that you get long-term holders, they're less likely to sell them because that's the whole point. Their, their mentality is, I'm going to hold this. I'm not going to do much with it. I'm just going to sit on it and wait on it. The less people sell which is the whole point of long-term hold, the less people sell, it can lend itself to a bullish sentiment at some point because the, the downward trend that we currently see might eventually come to a halt. If the downward trend comes to a halt 
and we get start testing an upward trend, we could start seeing a bull run. Now, of course, we have to wait and see if the president goes up and says something that kills the business, but I'm optimistic based on these numbers that we should be able to get to some level of a bullish run. There were some estimations that we might be getting into a drop beneath the 19,000 mark that is still on the table. We did see somewhat of a dip earlier today. However, I'm looking at the numbers saying, I don't, this seems like a, a fake out, faking the funk like the kids say. And it feels like it's still somewhat trending down, but not to the point that it would crash out. I could get that completely wrong. Suffice to say, the more people that hold Bitcoin long-term, it means long-term there is a bullish sentiment out there. So at least there's that. People haven't given up on cryptocurrency and they still believe in it. And hopefully at some point later, we will see the, the fruits of that belief and that confidence. I've said for a while that the current administration, they don't like cryptocurrency. They want to get rid of it. They want to ban it. They're tired of it. And most of that came from the mixed message coming out of different areas of the current administration. We saw it over and over again. This over here, we need to lock that down and they need to do reporting just like it is to do, do, do. And this one over here, basically make it like the stock market and all this. Well, one of the lawmakers and what these lawmakers, this particular one, happens to have a history of being anti-cryptocurrency. This person is arguably aligned with the current administration, and he's a congressman. His name's Brad Sherman. He said, look, I would love to outlaw them. I would love to ban them. I would love to get it out of here. Chances are we're not going to do it. We're, it's not going to happen. He says it's because it's ultimately because of the lobbying, that there's so much lobbying happening to prevent it from being banned. I think that's an excuse. But he also said something else. He said that, you know, quote, we didn't ban it at the beginning because we didn't realize it was important and we didn't ban it now because there's too much money and power behind it. So what he's talking about is back then, way back when we had a chance to do it, we didn't think much of it. We didn't think this crypto thing was going to be a thing, so we didn't waste the time. But now it's kind of, he's saying it's basically too late and then the lobbyists are getting in the way and it's not going to do a thing. If you read between the lines of what he's talking about, he's talking about, a ban ultimately is what he would push and advocate for. He's tried multiple times and he wants the right people in the way in the government to advocate for locking this stuff down. As I said, because I knew that the current administration doesn't like it. They want to get rid of it. They're, they're doing secret things to try to sneak around and ultimately limit people's ability to trade it freely. So when you see something like Luna Classic going on these runs, that's why I said the only thing that would really cease the kind of run I see would be, again, the president coming out saying something that makes people skittish because that's what the way it always happens. I wish it wouldn't, but, you know, it is what it is. Ethereum and the merge. There was some news that came out. This came partially from the idiot Vitalik, but also uh, some of the areas were reporting that part of the updates and the upgrades and the merge had already happened. They were a little bit early. They weren't going to make a significant difference. However, with buy the rumor, sell the news, what we saw then was a little bit of a price bump on Ethereum. It jumped by about $100 per coin. That's better than nothing, certainly, but we don't expect that there's going to be significant upward movement beyond once everything's got to be done and settled. I've got another news update about this, but until we get to the point that everything's kind of calmed down and smoothed out a little bit, I think we're going to start seeing some a little bit of disruption in Ethereum's price up and down. Some people estimated down beneath the thousand mark. 
I'm still on record. If it goes beneath $900, I'll do live karaoke on the YouTube channel. That's how confident I am that it's not going to go significantly lower like they're estimating that it will. So now to piggyback off that, the devs apparently had some issues when they were doing this stuff and they were missing some, the block rate, basically they were having some missed blocks. Missed blocks are certainly not good. Now the devs just said, eh, it's not a big deal. It's whatever. We knew there was going to be a thing. Now they had done heavily heavy testing on this stuff. And apparently, for whatever reason, their testing did not surface what they're seeing now. And so this doesn't bode well for the preparedness of all the different nodes. All the nodes that have to do the validations that are out there would have needed to upgrade everything, make sure everybody's ready to go. And if there was somebody that wasn't ready to go, they were supposed to be excluded from the block transactions. This tells me, and this is just my theory, that they may have some nodes that didn't upgrade like they were supposed to. Well, it, what they said, what I saw, was that they were supposed to exclude those to, for the integrity of the block transactions. It looks like that didn't happen. So the Ethereum Foundation came out and they gave a, a notice basically saying, and here it was, quote, if once this executes, so basically everything's done, quote, you'll be stuck on an incompatible chain following the old rules and you'll be unable to send Ether or operate on the post-merge Ethereum network. Okay, well then having these missed blocks is a bit concerning because if you gave that message and you still didn't get any updates, how can this happen? Another user, developer user, came out and said, well, what happened was if they hadn't updated, some of that inactivity, some of this was basically leaking out. I, I think it's greatly concerning, but it also might explain why we saw so many delays in trying to do this merge and it's just harder than they thought it was going to be. And it means we got a long way to go if they're not able to get this thing solved. Because you can't, if you have missed block rates, it's going to affect pretty much everybody. Um, they, they should really prioritize resolving it. They don't seem to think it's a big deal, but I consider it a problem. Time will tell who's right and who's wrong. If they think it's not a good deal, I, I think it's, you know, again, trying to hide something that's really not fun, not good. The last bit of news is around Binance, as in Binance.com. Binance.com has been making moves around Binance USD, which is their form of a stable coin. And the biggest news was that they were prioritizing their stable coin and deprioritizing USDC and certain other stable coins over into the Binance USD token. This caused some concern because USDC has largely been believed to be the most reliable of the stable coins simply because it's perfectly pegged to the US dollar. Binance.com is no stranger to using their own assets and their own tokens and their own thing. Now, the problem with this is it's not big for people because Binance.com, anyway, is largely for international crowds. And international crowds, for the most part, don't really care about USDC. They may receive USDC and convert it. That's what this is going to automatically do is convert the deposit of USDC, for example, but there's other ones, into the Binance USD token. So they should not be necessarily affected per se. However, we have to, there were some past uh, theories that Binance USD was not perfectly pegged and that it had a risk of depegging at some point. The Department of Justice started probing into Binance.com for money laundering issues, but also to con be confirmed on the financial side whether or not people's assets in Binance USD were truly pegged to a dollar. And you had a, again, as I said, $1 for every one of these stable coins issued, which has been believed to be the case, but Binance.com historically has not wanted to provide the documentation. So again, 
Because Binance.com is only available to international crowds, I don't believe it has a significant impact other than for those people that receive USDC from whatever source, just that they know that it's going to be automatically converted into Binance USD. Some people out, some investors are not really happy about the arbitrary decision. I don't think that's a big problem necessarily. I don't think, I personally don't. I'd love to hear from anybody who's international who uses Binance.com. If you believe that there's a, a, you know, some down point or some harm, I'd love to hear that just so we know what would be the negatives of not being able to receive USDC. Other exchanges seem to think that it's a good thing. They seem to think that it'll help Binance USD in the mainstream. Binance USD is accepted in all exchanges. Now, which network is supported is obviously up for grabs, but Binance USD is just as widespread as USDC. That's why I don't think it's a big deal, but I want to hear from people out there in the community about what they think about what's going on with this one. I'm curious myself long-term if we can get to, and I know that I've naysayed this before, and I still do, we do need to get to where there's some common sense around stable coins. There's one stable coin that arguably is available, accessible, and that these exchanges and distributors, they don't have the ability to just dictate which stable coin you can use. It just is what it is. And somehow it is smart enough to align to different fiat for different countries. I don't know that we'll ever get there, but it's something I would love to see at some point long term. We have a lot of disruption in cryptocurrency right now because of all this, the stuff that happened in early 2022 and the latter part of 2021. We still haven't got out of the bear period. We still have a long way to go. I would advocate to anybody listening because it's still somewhat of a disruptive time, I'm still going to hold fast that the core coins, all the gas coins and the blockchain coins, et cetera, still cannot lead you wrong in my personal opinion. And I would only recommend looking at those and nothing else because if, if we're going to recover, I believe that's where the money's going to come back. It's going to be these core coins, not the garbage ones. The garbage ones will do the short pumps. If you're a gambler, I celebrate you for that. If you're listening to me, I'm always going to recommend the core coins for now until we get somewhat past and then we can get smarter, hopefully, about cryptocurrency in general. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The Triad is a community that we're working to build forward of smart, strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.